Bergeron fans on a pass. Stefan steals and he'll lights it. Oh, at least I thought he was gonna until he blew it. That's unbelievable. Here come the Oilers the other way. And Hemsky's loose. Hemsky, he will score. Can you believe what we just saw? What's poppin'? My name is Andrew White, and you are listening to QU Hot Takes. I'm alongside the Jelly Fam, Justin Ellis, the slickest of slats, K Slats, Kevin Slattery, and the Marshman Andrew Marshall, who will be on soon. This time, not just because he's late, it is because he is in the airport and he's devoted to the show, and he will be on at some point when he gets to his gate. I believe he was in Hawaii last week, so he might be returning, but... Nonetheless, I'm happy the Thunder got the two-pick in the lottery. Granted, draft may not be that great, but still an exciting time period. Um, Okay, Justin, how are you doing today? Well, first, good luck to Marshall. I hope he gets on. Uh, I know uh, in Hawaii, they are actually the most delayed flights anywhere in the United States. Um, So (laughs) You would know that. You would. You would. uh, Yeah, based off of my flight delays and cancellations the past few days, I was doing some flight research, and uh, I found that out. But... uh, you know, the Eagles signed James Bradbury, $10 million deal, one of the best man corners in the league, and I think he's probably a top 10 corner still in the league, in my opinion. Um, dude, super underrated. I also did not realize he's only 28 years old, which is crazy to me. Um, I know it was a one-year deal, but, like, that's a huge upgrade for the Eagles. I mean, that's better than Steven Nelson was last year by far. Um, so I'm in an extremely good mood, and I yeah. like – their schedule that came out too um i like the order of games i think i'm gonna be in either arizona or indianapolis for one of those games so um i'm excited for the eagles the stocks are looking high for me all right and kevin sunshine in your eyeballs how are you yeah no thanks man um yeah no that's bradbury signing because of the giants being against the cap like him signing with the eagles after he got cut that's that's dave gettleman screwing the giants from the grave that's that's what that was with how he ran the cap into the ground. But um, nah, man, like overall doing well, like got up for, you know, an early meeting, an early work meeting before nine. So that wasn't, you know, great, but I think I got paid for that. So we'll hope, you know, if not, there might be some furniture moving, but we'll see. And uh, yeah, overall, man, like, you know, got the sun in my eyes, but, you know, pretty, we're, we're Gucci great. I haven't listened to the Kendrick Lamar album yet. Uh, but I, I want to try to make time for that because I hear people say that it's very good. Uh, I'm going to give an unfortunate hot take about it. I wasn't a fan, but uh, I'm not really a rap guy per se, but normally Kendrick stuff I'm, I enjoy, but I don't, I don't know. It wasn't, wasn't it for me, but that's just me. That's just me. I've heard good things. You know, I'm only halfway through listening to the album because I usually just do it when I go for a walk or something. Um, when I try to try, listen to new music mostly then, but um. I, it's all right so far, I got to say. I mean, I, I agree with White, Whitey. I'm not the biggest fan at this point in the album. Um, I think his rap does a lot more storytelling um, than most of the rap that I listen to. So it kind of fits into that folklore Taylor Swift mixed with rap, um, which isn't bad by any means. There's quite a few great rappers like Tyler, the Creator, and stuff like that that do very similar things. Um, and I'd appreciate it more if the rhythms lined up a bit more with the lyrics and the emphasis on words. Um, that's just for me. Like, there's a poetic sense to it. and I'm just not getting poetic rhythm out of it. It's very, like, non-rhythmic to me. Um, great, great beats, great lyrics, 
just I, they're just not fitting quite with me yet. Could the dissonance be an internal dissonance within Kendrick where he feels something in his heart, but he he sees the reality around him? I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to like go into the artist's mindset, man. The man wants another Nobel Peace Prize or whatever he won. Uh, so right, right. I, I think I think you're touching on exactly what he wants people to think, Kev. <laughs> what he's trying. What he's trying. Yeah, yeah, you, you should you should listen to it. I've I've heard good enough things, and you like rap too. Maybe you'll have a different opinion. It's uh, I'd say it's it's about average. Yeah, I but, agree. Everyone should listen to it. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. Okay. Word. Let's get into it. The NBA round two. We're gonna have our reactions because it's over. The first game of the Eastern Conference Finals was yesterday. We're recording on Wednesday, May eighteenth, and tonight uh, will be the Mavericks at the Warriors. But our round two reactions from last year's. What do you have to say? Was there any, I guess, uh, popping games for you? We're going to talk about more specifics as we have our questions. We know later, but you can say some certain things. And I'm going to start by saying the Suns have proven to me now two years in a row. I recognize it's only two years that having just a pure shooter slash scorer as the best player on your team is unfortunately not enough to win a championship time and time again. We've seen that unless you're super unique, like a, you know, KD or Steph type of score where you're that lethal in that respect, the Suns got pounded. It was embarrassing. And we are going to touch on this. It showed that Luka Doncic is prepared for this level seemingly. So that's one thing. Suns clearly overrated or more of a regular season team. It seems and CP three massive liability for the team. Um, I used to say, unfortunately, but now I think he's kind of a jerk. So I don't really care. He's a, uh, he's a liability to the team. And then when it comes to the bucks and the heat, uh, excuse me, bucks and the Celtics, I will say, I said multiple weeks in a row that I thought the bucks would finish out the series in a long fought series, even with Middleton out. I will still argue to this day. If Middleton was there and George Hill and Grayson Allen didn't need to play in his place as much, they would have won that in six or seven, but they didn't. That's not the case. The Celtics deserve it. They did win. Um, coaching on the Bucks side, embarrassing. Um, I know the game plan was to hold off the rebounds and maybe make them make threes. But when you see Grant Williams making two or three threes in a row, that's when you tell Brooke Lopez, okay, game plan changed. You're going to have to close out now. Um, not a good performance, unfortunately for Giannis as well. His fourth quarter was abysmal too, but when the rest of your team doesn't play well, you got nothing either. So uh, great defense from the Celtics. But after last night, I will also say the Heat seemed to be Probably the most underrated team that out of my mouth in the past four or five years, I've given them some crap and they're freaking good. So we'll see. Okay. Kevin. Yeah, no, uh, me and Marsh, I think when you guys weren't here, we were talking about the Suns and comparing them to other teams of the last 10 years. And we were asking, were they one of the best teams of the last 10 years? And I think that answer is probably now a resounding no. <laughs> Um, in terms of what happened in the debacle that was game seven for them. Um, but I think overall, man, like the one takeaway that I'm starting to, I don't want to say get a synopsis on or an opinion on, but it, it, the, the notion in today's league has been that the game has shifted away from centers, arguably, and that's been a guard oriented league, you know, for ball handling and such. But I actually, I'm starting to think now that it's not, even a guard oriented league every anymore because the best players that we've seen now for the better part of a decade that have won continuously in the playoffs, whether it's 
LeBron, Kawhi, Kevin Durant, Giannis. Um, they're small forwards or big-ish guards, if you will, like either a Jimmy Butler or a Luka Doncic even, who they have sides and a length to go along with their athleticism to play. I mean, actually, if we're honestly being totally fair about it, like the last, you know, 20, 30 years of NBA basketball, even like outside of like Steph Curry, like there haven't been many guards who've dominated in the playoffs on their way to a championship that were like shorter than like six, six, like, you know, Kobe had like, was considered like the perfect basketball player for a while. Like Jordan was LeBron was when he came, like, I think what it realized for me is like the best players are guys who can just affect the game with their length, athleticism, height. Um, and then in many ways, like some of these guards who are like six, five or below, like they can in many ways get like pushed out of the way defensively or offensively in the playoffs. Like we saw it with Donovan and Mitchell in the first round, Trey young in the first round, uh, James Harden, we've seen him with it in, you know, the last several years, like him getting worn down. He's, you know, six, five, but that's different. But like, you know, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, um, you know, guys who are able to impose physically in the regular season are able to do that also throughout the playoffs, it seems. So that's my biggest conclusion is that maybe it's not so much that you should be looking for a star point guard but a star small forward who can impose as well. Justin. Uh, I, first of all, I think Kev, your small forward take is right on. I think small forwards seem to be like the wave of the big playmakers that lead the championships. A lot of times, in my opinion, guard play is just talked about so much because your guards are the ones who are primarily handling the ball. But nowadays it is the forwards who really are the big scores, the big playmakers. They're the ones that, change the team one way or another um and speaking of forwards i mean i'll go straight to that sixers heat series i mean jimmy butler said what i basically said when the tobias harris decision was made years ago <laughs> you chose tobias harris over jimmy butler tobias um, harris over me <laughs> he said that and i had nothing for but respect for him because i was like yeah you're right and i said that years ago that he was right um, Tobias Harris, I mean, he looks really good because he's been working with Doc Rivers. That's someone he's really comfortable with. But overall, I mean, he's been lackadaisical in comparison to the other pieces that that team has. I mean, Harden, I agree, didn't have a great series. But Tobias Harris has never looked amazing um, out there with those other pieces. I, he's probably the next piece to move, honestly. Um, if the Sixers want to take another shot at it next year, um, they probably are not going to stick with the same pieces. And I think Harden's the one to stay and Tobias is the one to go in that situation. Um, but like you said, forward play, such a huge deal. Um, so I'm interested to see what they do to maybe help that out. I know there's a lot of talk about Bradley Beal in their future, but you're right, Kev. I, I do agree. I would like them to go with another forward that they can get. I'm, I look, there's not a lot out there as far as forward play goes. Um, but, you know, maybe we go with some cheaper options next year and try to fill out the bench a bit more. Bring in Bogdanovich, who's on free agency now. I think he would be a great add 
to add to that three-point shooting that they lost with Seth Curry leaving. Um, as far as other series, Grizzlies were simply inexperienced. Um, they're just not there yet as far as Warriors experience goes. Um, Chris Paul's not clutch. Um, that was very apparent by all the stats. They were constantly repeating about him throughout that game. Um, they were obviously getting pretty tired of Chris Paul um, and how he was acting. So I guess the media decided to really roast his stats. Um, fair enough. Um, Devin Booker is nowhere close to the Kobe Bryant caliber that people were talking about last season. I think that's been proven. Um, Booker has definitely fallen outside my top 10 players in the league. I'm not even sure if he's top 15, maybe not even top 20 anymore. Um, the guy has great games on occasion, but as like a team player for the pieces that the Suns have, he's just not producing. Um, I really think like, I don't think centers win you championships, but DeAndre Aiden might be the best actual piece on that team right now. Um, but he's extremely underutilized just because you're dealing with the power kegs that are Book and Paul, Booker and Paul on that team. Um, and as far as that um, Celtics Bucks series goes, um, Tatum is probably now the front runner to, with the most Kobe Bryant esque skill level. Um, for those having that conversation, I've seen a lot of people on social media say that, and I agree with it 100%. Um, but uh, that was a great series all around. I would have loved to see what would happen if Middleton was on the court for that game. Um, I do think the outcome could have been different, but with that big of a blowout, you've got to assume the Celtics would have figured that out. And the Celtics had their own fair share of injuries. Um, and assuming that they can get health by the time that they take the series back to Boston, um, it's definitely not out of their range by any means to shut down the heat in the later half of the series. Yeah, Kev. This is a quick question, but for you guys, who has gone up the most in terms of their stock in the playoffs and who's gone down the most in the playoffs? I'm curious to see what you guys think. I think Tatum's got to be the most for me. Uh, dude's been outstanding. I mean, he, he's been good, but like, he, he's reached a new level for me as far as like where I think he can actually go as a player. Um, the Celtics have already been kind of a shocker this season with their regular season performance, thanks to Tatum. And the postseason's looking just as promising. And then stock drop-wise, I mean, Chris Paul's stock was already heavily dropping. Um, so it's hard to say him. Um, I would say probably Booker for me. I don't know. I just feel like there was no real clutch factor from Booker and him and Luca were going back and forth a lot. And Booker was really only going at Luca when he was in the lead. Um, and Luca just never stopped. <laughs> so I I've lost some credibility with Booker at this point. I, I think the Suns have reached a point where, yeah, they're a great regular season team, like what you said, but they almost feel like a team that's stuck in borderline mediocrity based on how they play in the playoffs. I mean, they're kind of experienced, but they're not like inexperienced by any means. They were in a finals. Um, they're just, they're in a really weird spot in a really aging team. And the sun's time as, as quickly come to a close, I think, as far as their chance to win a championship goes. And I think yeah, Booker is a part of that. And uh, DeAndre Orton, uh, Aiton is probably leaving as well. Um, for me, probably a uh, biggest down. I actually think Steph Curry is going downwards a little bit with his age, uh, not shooting as well. He could fix that in this, in this series for sure. And, uh, in terms of going up, it's every year for me, but Jimmy Butler, I mean, the guy averages barely 20 points in the regular season. And then all of a sudden he's averaging 30, 30 points at 57% shooting in the playoffs and kind of giving the work to everybody. 
Um, I'm also all for the Tatum train, but uh, what I will give him criticism for, and I think it's what's going to hold him from ever winning a championship unless he fixes it, is he doesn't really have that Kobe mentality, right? So he's got the talent there, but he doesn't really seem to push the team that much or really take over a game. Sometimes when he does, he actually shoots very poorly uh, and doesn't really help out. But there are times when you think he should take it over or you think he should maybe get in a teammate's face and maybe talk him down or figure out what's going on. And he doesn't, I think the, the identity for maybe that's because he's just a humble player. Um, but you look at guys like, you know, Jimmy Butler and a Steph Curry and a Giannis and a LeBron, and, you know, they go up to their teammates and like, they make sure things are okay and that things are going well and more of a vocal leader on the team to hype them up. And I, I genuinely think that's going to be the only reason the Celtics can't win a chip uh, until that's figured out. Um, but we'll talk about that series as, as it comes on. But I agree his, his, I mean, talent wise, he's, he's going up every year. It's uh, it's a, it's crazy. It's cool. Yeah, he has the quietest thirty-point games and forty-point games I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, so you're one hundred percent right about yeah. that. Um, there's nobody yeah. on the Celtics that really screams leader to me at this point. I, I think Tatum could get there. Tatum's super young still. I agree. Um, but like, yeah, it's a really weird team where there really doesn't seem to be a clear leader or front runner, and that could be the ultimate win or the ultimate haunter. I mean. The Fair Heat, yeah. honestly, with Butler, feel very similar in that mentality. I mean, I know Butler's like the star of that team, and like they had Lowry, and he's been out for so much. But like, the Heat were another team most of the season. Like Butler wasn't performing at a super high level. They felt like an, another very just well-rounded, no super front runner player on the team. So it's a very interesting head-to-head series. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. We'll talk about it as it goes on. Um, okay, this is a good question. I'm glad Justin brought or Justin. All these questions are brought to you by Justin uh, most of the time per usual, but this is a good one. Um, we've all had our, our doubts, I suppose, about Luka Doncic in the past. I, um, I think even Marshall, mo- most specifically too. Uh, but I've, I've definitely said some things before as well. And I, I think we all kind of have um, question marks. Now, what do we, what do we, what do we want to say here? Are we, are we sticking with some guns here? Are we moving a little bit? I'm going to be honest with you. I currently think the best player in the playoffs right now is Luka Doncic. And I think in the entire league, I think he's the fifth best player in the entire league. And I think Luka Doncic within three years is going to be a top three player. Listen, his three-point shooting percentage is not good. I think he needs to fix it. But there is something to say about somebody who is as young as he is who finds a way to win with what I think is not really that good of a team. You could say they got some sort of shooters or whatever. But he is one of those guys that constantly draws double teams. You have to guard the paint. You have to guard the perimeter. And he has an unguardable shot. He can get a, he can shoot what he wants on any possession. And I think I've been a little bit low on him in the past, and I can't really deny it anymore. He's beat the best team in the league, according, you know, to the, to the records and whatever. And he's put up numbers. And we're talking numbers, numbers. And on top of that, when he's putting up numbers, he's still passing the ball in the fourth quarter when it's necessary. And he gets the rebounds for the team. And he's also not that bad at defense. Uh, he's, he's changed that a little bit as well. So uh, I, I'm giving him tons and tons and tons of credit. And I'm not stopping until, frankly, next year. I mean, even at this point, if they get swept, it doesn't bother me. Uh, what he's done up to this point is nothing short of remarkable, in my opinion. Because I think you swap most players that we call stars on that Mavericks team, they're out of the playoffs right now. Justin. I am going to compare this to basically Luca's partner for life because they'll never stop talking about it. The trade partner, Trey Young. Um, 
I bid on the Hawks this year and was like, yeah, they're going to be great because they had a great run in the playoffs last season. They really brought it together and it just didn't happen. And Trey Young kind of regressed to the mean. Um, I think Luca's in the same kind of shape right now. Um, I have no reason to buy on a playoff run after watching the Hawks last season and this season um, and watching the Knicks last season and this season. Um, I just clearly can't buy into it at this point. I mean, I agree he's been a one-man show and he just beat the Suns and their mentality. Um, but as far as like coming into the at the playoffs at this point, he's number five in my playoff players still in the playoffs. Um, he's probably top 10 to me in the NBA now, which is a lift. I probably had him somewhere in top 20 before. He's probably nine or 10. He's probably on that cusp. But I am not by any means sold on Luca at this point. Um, it's one playoff run. I need to see a lot more from him in the future. I am not selling on my idea that Luca really isn't um, an NBA championship caliber player at this point. Kevin. So the Luca stock question is difficult for me because I believe in all the talent. I think talent-wise, like his playing style, I said it like during the radio season, like it reminds me a lot of James Harden. But I think he, in many ways he can be a better James Harden in that he can body people in the post and post people up in ways that James couldn't. Um, that being said, I think Luca's ability depends on his perspective with regard to his team at large. And what I mean by that is he does pass the ball and it, you can't say that he's a ball, a pure ball hog in that like he's not going to pass the ball and that he's just going to shoot every time down the court. But my thing with Dallas going into the year was like, it felt too centric for him. Every possession he would bring up the ball. And when you're getting like those Michael Jordan, like 1988 usage rates of like, you know, 30% of possessions or 30% of points scored or, you know, Luca centric or Jordan centric. It's like, you don't win that way. Like Jordan got better as the ball was leaving his hands more. And Phil Jackson found ways to get Michael his shots when he didn't initiate the offense. There were, there were years and there were games where, Michael Jordan would have like 12 triple doubles in a row because like he was the point guard and he would just set everybody up and he could do that, but he was tired by the time playoffs came around and he was worn down and the offense became predictable. And it just basically became, all right, we're going to ISO or we're just going to pick and roll you to death with our star player. Luca. I think if he wants to take the next level, either to increase his points per game, increase his efficiency, increase, really his diversity as a scorer, you got, they got to give the ball more to Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson. Like Spencer Dinwiddie is very underrated. Like Spencer Dinwiddie is probably at this point, like if you're having like an all solid NBA team, <laughs> like, like not like all-star guys, but just like all solid, like consistently good and underrated. Like Dinwiddie's on that list. Like, Dinwiddie had a couple of laps where he looked like incredibly quick after his injury, but ultimately like Jalen Brunson and Dinwiddie have to initiate the offense more because that gives Luca opportunities to cut back door. 
that gives him post-up opportunities that gives him hell, like running for three point opportunities. Like if he's going to improve his game, like, and I know like people are like, well, conditioning, whatever, look at Steph Curry's game. Look at Steph Curry. He never stops. He never stops moving on the basketball court. Steph Curry runs miles in NBA games when he's out there for, even if it's only like 30 minutes a game, like if Luca it becomes more selfless and says like, all right, I don't need to initiate the offense every time down. I can just go in the post every now and then, or I can run for a three pointer to the corner. Like the Mavericks will be better and he'll be better. But at the same time, you have reason to believe that because there's been an internal improvement. Like Jason Kidd now is like a good NBA head coach. He wasn't his first couple of years when he was in the league, but like he's better now. You can maybe even say the same about Ty Lue. Like Ty Lue, when he first got in the league, like his best work has probably come this year where he was coaching the Clippers as opposed to the Cavs. So at the end of the day, like I believe in the talent, like what you said, White, with Tatum. I believe in the talent, but the mentality, like is he going to be conditioned? Uh, is he going to be okay with other people initiating offense? Like how committed is he going to be on defense? Like those are questions that I still have about Doncic that I don't entirely know. I don't doubt the talent at all. And I think he'll maintain this level of play. So I don't think it's going to be like a Ben Simmons where it's like, yeah, but he'll like level out or he won't get better and he'll just regress. Um, But I do think that like there is a cap for winning with his play style. I think it's exciting for him that he's only 23 and even last year as a 22 year old, he still averaged over 30 in the playoffs. It's, it's a, but um, to your guys' points, it's just still, it's all fair. It's all fair. Yeah, um, I, I mean, yeah. honestly, I'll even say if I had to describe what I've seen from Luca this playoffs, cause I was doing the Trey young comparison. Hmm. It literally looks like if one of us watched Trey Young's highlight reel from last year's playoffs, and then went out and tried to do the same exact thing in our intramural leagues that we played. Like literally him beefing with Booker, him like revving fans up, him laughing at every shot he makes. It was basically the same kind of ego. I love it personally. It's the same kind of ego stuff that Trey Young was doing last year. It's just so book script to me that I agree. It almost feels like there's a play style limit with it. We're not really sure what Luca looks like with other star players on the team. And I think that's the same kind of deal we're beginning to see with Trey Young as well. I mean, John Collins hasn't looked perfect. Bogdanovich hasn't done much. The, the Hawks just look the same as the Mavericks at this point, doing those trades and having the players that they have and the talent that they have. Um, it's hard to know how they're going to keep playing with other stars. And I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie was a good start for Donkic because that's what destroyed that game seven was the fact that Dinwiddie's so impressive. And I'm a huge Jalen Brunson fan. Um, I think he should end up starting somewhere else. I think he's amazing at what he does. Um, but yeah, I really do think there's just, it's a weird copycat kind of moment. And Luca's play does not denote what I usually see from a championship team. All right, Kev, quick, and then we'll go to Marsh. Yeah, to piggyback on what Justin's saying about the conference and possible regression, while Phoenix and Utah could certainly get worse because, again, it could get blown up at least wholly or partially with those teams. Like the teams that I'm looking at, Denver is going to be mostly healthy next year. Jamal Murray's coming back. Uh, 
Minnesota, another year of development for Anthony Edwards after how he showed out in the playoffs with Carl Anthony Towns too. And then the Clippers coming back healthy. We still have to see what Kawhi is at like 31 and Paul George at like 32 for a whole year. But those guys are going to be coming back. And so like, I think there's a good chance the Mavericks are in the playoffs, but that they're a, they're like a six seed, you know, instead of like a top four. You also get the Grizzlies in another year and the Pelicans with the eighth pick in the draft this year and Zion back. So, uh, all right, Marshall, I know you're in the airport, but uh, we're, we're just saying if you've, uh, if anybody's taken back any comments on, uh, you know, Luca in the past and how we view him now uh, moving along in these playoffs. Uh, for one, greetings from the, I think it's Kahului Airport in Maui. <laughs> I believe that's how you pronounce it. I've, I've probably been butchering so many pronunciations here. Uh, there's a lot of apostrophes with the words that they use. Um, regardless, yeah, do I have to take, I think I probably have to take something back on Luca because I believe I called him oh, the God. Carson Wentz of the NBA. Um, and he's averaging like 36 or something like in the in his career in the playoffs. That was the most impressive 35-point game. Um, yeah, I'm walking it back on Luca. My take on him was really coming from the standpoint of, I just kind of thought he'd be like annoying to play with. Um, but like you even saw it in that game seven, he plays this very like meandering style. And I think I crapped on that initially. Um, a good lesson, just because you see someone moving at one speed doesn't mean they can't move at a faster speed. And if you watch that game seven, he was very decisive, very like quicker, faster um, with all of his moves, you know? So Listen, the guy's an alpha. I think still some concerns about, like, the play style stuff. I don't know how well his game will, like, scale or, like, how well you can kind of pair, like, certain archetypes of stars with him just because he's so ball-centric. But who cares at this point? I mean, he's he's really damn good. I don't know, man. Maybe it was the European thing or, like, the similarities to James Harden. I'm like, well, he's less athletic than James Harden. Yeah, but he's pretty damn good. Also on Justin's point, um, I appreciate all the kind of jawing and back and forth. Um, yeah, I'm a little bit of an a-hole to play with uh, in intramural basketball, so <laughs> I guess I appreciate some of that. Um, sadly, I'm not as good as Luka Doncic, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's right. I kind of I like the back and forth, especially when it's a guy responding. To me, from my standpoint, Booker kind of like started a lot of this nonsense personally. That that was my viewpoint from a third party perspective. So I'm all for biting back at somebody who pulls first. Um, but okay, let's. Uh, well, we haven't we haven't gotten far. I like this. This is good. Okay, uh, NBA conference championship predictions. We've talked a lot about it, so we don't need a hammer at home. But um, who do you think is going to be in the finals, basically? Um, I'll start first. I, uh, I'm i going to ride the wave. Mavericks in seven and Heat in seven. And I think the Heat win the finals. That's gonna that's that's my take as of now. And I'm, I'm not going to really change it. I've been high on the war. I'm, I'm the one who said the Warriors are going to win the whole thing. So at this point, you know, whatever, I let it go. But um, Mavericks have been too too wild to me to, to ignore. And the Heat, I just think, oh my God, I take back anything I've ever said about the Heat after this playoffs. Not even, not even kidding. Anyway, uh, Kevin, who's going to be in the finals? Yeah, so I'm going to go Golden State out of the West, um, and then I'm going to go Boston. I've, I've been, I've been on Boston for a while, um, and I, I, I've been on Tatum for so long in terms of like, of in terms of thinking he was, you know, really great. So I'm not going to back off the Celtics now. That being said, though. 
Heat, incredible playoff run. Like, even with the Embiid injuries, like Jimmy Butler, this playoff run should put him, in my opinion, like, he should be considered, like, maybe a top 10 guy, like, in the league. Like, he should be in that conversation. Justin? Yeah, I don't know how the Celtics win a game in Miami, honestly. Um, the Heat are just so have been so dominant in Miami this entire playoffs. Um, so I am going to take the Heat in seven over the Celtics. Uh, everyone winning at home the entire way. And I'm going to take the Warriors in five over the Mavericks. Wow. Um, I, I think Clay Thompson shows up in this series. I think it's a tough matchup to deal with with Clay. Um, I'm sure Jordan Poole will have another stellar time out there um and I, I think steph figures it out at some point i mean playoff magic does happen um and lucas had the playoff magic for most of the time but steph has shown consistently that he has the playoff juice when he needs it um i, I can't go against the warriors at this point i would take the warriors over the heat too probably that would probably be in five as well wow hi adam respect uh marshall warriors and six over the mavs on the eastern side, Heat and six. I think I'm going to go six. Um, and then I'm going the Heat over the, the Warriors in the finals. I think there's been moments where, you know, Clay hasn't fully looked himself. You know, it's there. You know, like, you go down the list and you're like, okay, you've got Jordan Poole, you got Steph, you got Clay, you got Draymond. You've got the young players who, you know, aren't really doing a ton at this, mo- at this point, but like, you don't need that when you have those four. I just, I mean, like we said it, what, in 2019, we were, you know, when Jimmy Butler balled out in the finals, we were kind of getting, you know, as Kevin mentioned, we were kind of getting to that point where we're like, is Jimmy Butler a top 10 guy? And then it kind of faded away. But I mean, it's picking steam right back up. Tobias Harris over me. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, was... I mean, I'm, I'm rolling with the heat, man. I think they're a tough team. Um, you know, I don't love like all like the little like frat boys on their teams, like the the shooters that they have. But like in in reality, they've got like some cool, tough players. Um, and I just I think they're battle tested. I think, you know, this is going to be a really good series with the Celtics, you know, depending on Smart's health. Um, but I just really like what I've seen from the Heat. I've also liked what I've seen from the Celtics, but the Celtics have a few players like White and, you know, Williams had a really good game seven. But like going forward, like. I could just see like a few duds from those types of players, you know, and Al Horford, he's either on PEDs, you know, I, Al Horford, when he had that put back dunk, um, you know, I just thought like all this stuff about like nutrition and everything is just BS. Like people are just finding like designer drugs or something like Al Horford's <laughs> doing this at 35, like no, nothing matters. I'm sorry. It's not like avocado smoothies or whatever, like Al Horford, like, um, so like, I don't know, maybe he's juicing or something, but um, yeah, basically, like, I don't see a few of the Celtics role players playing up the level, and I think Smart's banged up. So, you know, I would also, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that. All right. Now, moving on to football here, basically for the rest of the show, we'll go a little bit uh, speedier. That's my fault. I've, I've, I've dragged a few things here. But Baker Mayfield, will he be willing to start? if Watson is suspended for the first four games of the season. Now, remember, we we know this. Watson's still under some situations that could potentially be the issue, hence why his contract is so messed up, hence why I think the Browns are a miserable organization, but I'll leave that out there. Um, 
Do you think Baker Mayfield, who, by the way, is guaranteed, I believe, what was it, $17 million or something like that, if he's actually um, playing for the squad, would he be cool with this? Um, I'm going to say, I don't, I don't know, right? I'm not, I'm not like in his head or whatever, but I'm going to give a suggestion. I think he should, he should do everything in his power to make sure he's just not on that team anymore. Um, I recognize, you know, maybe he doesn't play very well elsewhere. Maybe his career dies down quicker than he wants, or maybe he pops off. Who knows? All I know is it's not happening in Cleveland anymore. It's over. And if you have the disrespect of, oh, we're playing you behind a guy who right now could still be suspended. And by the way, it's beyond that in terms of problematic outside, but we're still going to start him over you. But if he's not really around, you know, we'll toss you out there. Well, but how do you, how do you feel about it? No, no, I'm done. His career's over there. And if I'm him, I'm, I'm doing everything to, to try to get out of there. But you know, the Browns are, they're holding back. Cause they're like, well, we're going to like need him If Watson's not here, I don't care. He's got to find a way. Um, okay. Kevin. That's so weak. Like, I, like I'm, I'm not even, a Baker Mayfield stand or someone and like j- just the way the Browns have played this the entire time, I think it's been like, they've overgaged his value. They kept him out there when his arm was shot. And like, if I'm Baker Mayfield, unless I'm getting paid like at double or unless I'm, unless you're going to try to take pay away from me, there's no other reason why I would be out there with the Browns. Like why? It, like imagine you go into work, right? You go to your job and they're like, yeah, well, so we got this other employee here. who's like, we think better than you, but like, we're just going to keep you for four days. And then we're just going to throw you out on your ass. Like you'd be like, you'd be like, yo, like screw you, bro. Give me my pay. And then just let me like take leave severance package, whatever. So like, I don't know. Like, I don't know, unless I'm getting paid more, unless my pay is going to be taken away. I would not work if I was Baker Mayfield, I would actually hold out until like, get, get your shit together, Cleveland and trade, find a suitable trade package. Like there's teams that want quarterbacks. Maybe, maybe Carolina still, I don't know. There's teams out there that will, will take and throw a dart at Baker Mayfield because of what he did his first two years. Like it's not too hard. Uh, I personally disagree with Kevin that there are teams that want Baker Mayfield. Um, I honestly think if there's a team that is looking for a quarterback right now, they'd be way more likely to seek Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I mean, we've all talked about it. We we see Garoppolo as the better quarterback out of the two. I think most of us have, not by much, but I think we've all agreed on that sentiment. And Garoppolo honestly could, I don't know, the actual contracts might be the cheaper player, um, honestly. Um, But Baker doesn't have as much ego as Baker Mayfield. Jimmy Garoppolo kind of accepts his role in the grand scheme of the NFL. Baker Mayfield, not so much. but it does seem like Deshaun Watson, based off of the initial conversation with the NFL next yesterday, is going to have that four-game suspension. But the Browns are already prepared for Baker Mayfield to not start because they have Jacoby Brissett in their back pocket now. Um, if I if I was Baker, I think I already have done everything in my power. Credit to Whitey on that. Um, I don't think there's much more he can do except rebel and sit there and argue and not do anything. Um, and hope that there's a quarterback injury in training camp. And I think that's what the Browns are hoping for too. And it's bound to happen. Someone is going to have a quarterback injury, but no one wants to pay $17 million for Baker Mayfield to play backup until someone gets an injury. Um, It's horrible that the Browns have gone this route and it makes zero sense in my opinion. Um, uh, From literally deciding to Sean Watson to not not trading Baker Mayfield sooner to, 
trading for Amari Cooper, though that was a great trade for them. It doesn't make sense with their offense. Um, there is so much uncertainty in what the Browns are doing. I, I just, I hope they fail. I, I really do. I mean, I hate Baker Mayfield as a player. Um, and sometimes I think his ego is pretty bad as a person for his level of play. Um, but he doesn't deserve how they treated him. Um, I think Deshaun Watson was poor. Um, there's nothing I like about the Browns organization right now. They they are considered cursed, but really it's just them cursing themselves at this point. Pick it to Pickens, baby. Go Steelers. Anyway, uh, Kevin, you're going to say something quick before Marsh? Yeah, no, it's just that, like, even if you didn't want to pay Baker his salary, right? There's ways to haggle and negotiate. Like, all right, we'll we'll take half. Like we see this like in baseball and like other sports, even NFL, like, Hey, we'll take half your salary. We'll take on some picks here. Or, you know, we'll do something like there's ways to make Baker Mayfield more attractive, like in terms of like putting on makeup, perfume, whatever you want NFL wise mascara to make like a Baker Mayfield trade package more sexier. Like, I just think it's either laziness or they think that they're getting way more value for Baker and they're just hard charging. Like, I don't know if they're arguing for a first for Baker or what, but like, the like to be honest like a deal should have been had by now um the only other thing i was gonna say too like with deshaun and like the four game suspension is like the nfl in general they need some sort of like i don't know if it's a constitution or or what but they need bylaws where if you get in trouble for x you're suspended x games because i mean i've seen the memes now on twitter elsewhere where it's like the wheel of punishment and like the NFL has to like get their act together because there people are just going to be outraged in general at that, but I don't know. I'm just rambling now, whatever. All right. Uh, Marshall, your take on the, the, the Baker here. Should he, should he leave or force leave or what? So I agree with Justin in terms of summing up, like how we all kind of feel about Baker um, and kind of about team's interests. It's really about team's interest at that number or that number plus giving up assets. Like no one, I mean, no one unless I'm not even gonna say unless no one period is gonna take him at that number. I'm pretty confident about that. If he gets released, that's really where like like I think a team will be interested in him, in him as a backup. Regardless, Baker, very weird season. It wasn't even like a shot. So like I think the narrative out there is that it's like a shot type fighter type season, which players would like really identify with, you know, it's like, it's like this guy's going to go out to, you know, keep fighting till he can't fight no more. But the problem with Baker is that it actually wasn't that glorious because you just, I mean, you just turn on the games and there's people open and he misses them. I don't know why. Like it was, it wasn't about like he did everything he could. It's like, he was kind of just, he was hurt. Yes. But he was also a dumbass. Um, I don't want to pile on Baker anymore. This isn't really much about him. I can't see him, or even if I was Baker Mayfield, why would you play another snap for the Browns? I don't care if you're under contract. You know, they owe you this money. Like, I mean, like people are like, oh, Baker should reduce the no, Baker, Baker should get the money that he is owed by them picking up the fifth-year option. Like Baker shouldn't change anything. But you know, as Justin said, like there is something very, very it just doesn't sit right about what the Browns are doing. I mean, like, so they've adjusted the cap number, apparently, you know, NFL contracts are tricky, but the cap number for Deshaun Watson is about $10 million this year. That means, and it's a fully guaranteed deal. 
That means 2023 to 2026, it is 50, basically $55 million a year. Sorry. It's basically $55 million a year, which is astronomical for, you know, you're paying that price for a guy that like, you know, we all know the character stuff about him. He also doesn't play football in a year. You also gave up free ones for him plus extra assets. It's kind of crazy when you just like say that out loud. Like totally. The, totally the Browns, bad. the Browns have repeatedly pissed on the fans' legs and told everybody it's raining. Like repeatedly <laughs> in terms of in terms of I like that. I like that. Like, well, not actually, but like the analogy, you, you get it. Yeah, metaphorically speaking, yeah. they've been pissing on people's legs and saying it's raining. Like they, they've been like, oh, well, Baker's not a character guy. Baker's arrogant. We we need some, we need someone humbler. And then you bring Deshaun Watson. Like, right. It, I, I would. When by the way, they, when they when they loved his attitude, by the way, when he was on like the team and playing, yeah, they and, loved and it. The, they loved yeah, it. and they were like, yeah, he's our guy. Like you know, he he was against you know. Duke Johnson, like saying, like you know, whatever, like he was for the team, he was rah rah. Now you're against him, but like they would have been better, bro, having a press conference and like they've been like, hey, we don't care about character, uh, we don't care if you've murdered people. We'll, if you can play football, we'll play for you. You'll play for our team. I would have gotten up, I would have started clapping. I would have been like, yes, authenticity. I would have pointed, been like, yeah, that's that's a team. Too bad, too bad. All right. Let's continue. We'll try to bang through these. Yeah, this is a great segment brought to you by, again, Justin Allen's ESPN FPIs for the buy it or not, right? So we're going to do a buy or not section. It's kind of um, just the predictions, the percentages, best chances for XYZ in the season. So um, for starters, the Bills have the highest chance next season, the highest FPI in all of football. So do we buy them or not as the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Um, what's your take, all of you? Um, I'm just going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. In terms of favorite, yes. Do I necessarily think they're going to win? I don't know yet until it gets closer, but I'm going to say yes. Kevin? I'm going to say no for me because my personal opinion of a favorite is that I would take you over the field. And as of right now, I would. I think they're among the better teams – but I would not take them over the field. I would not take them over the Bengals, Rams. Uh, I mean, honestly, you could even like argue the Chiefs to some degree, but like some of these other teams, Tampa Bay, like I, I do not think that they are prohibitively better than three of those four. Justin. Uh, I'm selling on that take right now. I don't think they're even my favorite in the AFC. I still think the Bengals are my favorite. Um, they've just done so much in this offseason that makes a team even better after an already great team season. The Bills are definitely my two at this point. I, I don't think I have the Chiefs anywhere close in that regard. Um, but then on top of that, I just look at the NFC talent as well. I still think the Rams are a really prevalent team to be concerned about. Um, and I'm not factoring out the Bucks by any means. I think I have the Bucks above the Bills right now in terms of my actual Super Bowl winner odds. All right, and uh, Marshall, I think we caught you running a little bit in the airport. Nice. <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, yeah, so White, I'm pretty on board with your kind of take, which is do I know that, you know, do I think they're going to win it? I don't know. Like, we'll see as we get closer to the season. Depends on Trey White's health. 
you know, it depends who else kind of makes it out. It depends what the rest of the AFC's kind of like landscape is. Mathematically speaking, and again, one team is never going to have like that high of odds. What are they like six to one, basically? You know, they're anywhere between five and a half and six and a half to one. Like you're still like talking about like somewhat of a long shot bet, even though they're the favorite. I think they are, in my opinion, and I don't like that, the, that Vegas is acknowledging it too, because, you know, but I do in my heart of hearts believe that we are the best team in the NFL, mainly because of our quarterback, also because our defense is just going to not do dumb stuff. Um, and, you know, like the only thing that I have concerns about with this team is I think there's a few spots in the offensive line that are, I just want them to be better. We'll see about receiver depth. Um, and like, I, I, the only negative that I view with this team is the quarterbacks. I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL. You know, I'm a massive Josh Allen guy, but sometimes you get in the playoffs in a certain matchup where if the game is so, so, so dependent, the whole scheme, I mean, like the whole scheme revolves around Allen. I saw someone tweet yesterday and it was just a, it was just a tweet about like 15 yard explosive runs. And it was like, it was like Allen and Singletary and they were fairly high up there, even though we didn't have the good of a run game. And they use it as evidence to say we have a good run game. We don't have a good run game. We have, we have a, a mutant as our quarterback, and he can rush for 600 yards and stiff arm D lineman. And our running back runs like 470 small. Like, that's where, like, I feel like people are just, like, starting to distort the bills just a little bit. But, like, Allen is that good. Allen is that dude. We'll see if it kind of comes together. All righty. Um... Love the crying baby. Is that you gotta love you gotta love airport vibes? It's absolutely it's absolutely stellar. I know it's not your oh, baby, man. so it's like, or is it? Like, uh oh, uh oh, yo, what happens in Hawaii stays in Hawaii. Let's be uh oh, or or what is it? Yeah. Hanala, who who um, the airport that we nobody can pronounce? Honolulu, more like Honolulu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, a good one, good yeah. one. All right, all right, terrible, terrible yeah. dad jokes. Anyway, let's move on. Um, we're gonna. <laughs> That was, oh God, that was a bad joke. Uh, it was creative, but it's just a shitty joke. Anyway, um, let's move on. We're going to bang right through this. Colts, favorite to win the AFC South. Do we buy it or not? Simplistic answer, yay or nay. Uh, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. And um, I'm going to ride with the Tennessee Titans as of right now. As of now. Uh, yay. I'm going to go Colts here. Um, I think they're better receivers so far, at least more proven. And I think they're better on the D line. So I will give the edge to the Colts. All right. Justin smiling a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a Jacksonville coming on. What, what is it? No, no, nothing that crazy. I'm saying nay to the Colts. Yay on the Titans at this point. Um, more proven team. And I think Carson Wentz is better than Matt Ryan. Okay. Uh, Marshall. This is tricky because the Colts and the Titans are probably both overrated. The Colts have gotten a lot of good players, and I feel like they're, like, very well liked in the media. Like, oh, the Colts just did so many smart things. And I'm like, they got, like, fairly good players. Um, yeah, so, like, to me, the Colts and the Titans are both a little overrated. I looked at the Jaguars for a hot minute. I think I'd probably be clinically insane to suggest that they actually be the favorite to win, but, like, they – I think clearly to me, they have the best value. You know, like both of these teams are very, very beatable. You get a few injuries to either one of these teams. So 
I don't really like either one. I'll have to really kind of think about this. All right. Yeah, I'm not putting anything on a $72 million Christian Kirk. That, that's that. <laughs> I know I'm not putting any faith in that ever. <laughs> respect, respect. Okay, Browns favored to win the AFC North. Yay or nay, bite or not. I'm going to give you a big fat whop and no based off what we said before. I won't continue, but Bengals won, and I genuinely believe Steelers will have a better record than the Browns. Justin. I have the Browns at least getting third in the division. If not, they're going to get fourth. Um, they're definitely in the bottom of the epsilon. Um, I have Bengals and Ravens higher up, but I literally think Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett could have a better season for the Steeler, uh, Steelers team as a whole than the Browns might have based on what they ever get from Deshaun Watson. Okay. Yeah, this is one of my hot takes right here. The Browns finish fourth in the division. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go no on the Browns right there. Hard no. <laughs> I figured I figured fourth would mean would definitely mean no. Uh, Marshall. At this point, I'm probably going Ravens to win this division. I mean, like, you know, Ooh. I could see the Browns at either three or four, realistically, especially if Watson's gonna get suspended. Um, Bengals, you know, they did so well that they're I'll just let it go to this. <laughs> this is too loud. <laughs> oh, I could I couldn't yeah, even hear that one actually. I couldn't even hear that oh, one, really? honestly. Not as much, no. Yeah. Well, the Ravens, you know, I think the Ravens to me are just, they're just so solid all around that I, I think they break through this year. So many injuries last year. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. And the last one before the hot take of the week, Bears favorite for, <laughs> wait, hang on. Wait, Justin, am I reading this wrong? I, I, oh, 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 my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. That's on me. The Bears are the favorite for the number one pick for next year, as in the worst team in the league. Is that kind of how – is that how I – okay, got it. My bad. That's on me. Um, do you buy it or not? Bears being the worst team in football at the conclusion of next season. Um, I'll start. I think it's going to be close, but for me, it will be the Texans, and I think the Bears will be close – their defense is is too good for me to be all the way on the bottom. Uh, Justin. No way Bears are on the bottom. Like, preposterous to even believe that at this point. I mean, Justin Fields will improve at some point. Um, those wide receivers have a lot of room for improvement. Um, there's obviously a lot that has to change, but overall, there are far worse teams overall than the Bears. Kev. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go... I'm going to go know that they that they don't finish with a bottom five record. And Marsh. No, I think Fields is actually a floor raiser type of player. So I think he's going to – I don't think they finished number one. Um, Seattle will be my, my immediate, like, probably favorite for the number one spot. Okay, and to finish off the show, our hot takes of the week or the year or the summer, whatever you'd like. I will begin. I will stick with the NBA that is currently going on. Um, you know, uh, the the Heat will win both series, this one as well as the finals, in five or six games each. One of them will definitely only be five, and it's gonna be it's gonna be from all of a sudden this huge parody parody going on. Great great series going on to the Heat roll through people. That's my hot take, Justin. I'm going to make two hot takes. 
one for the NBA, which I will say Butler is going to score 40 points in every game um, till through the finals. He's just going to straight up score 40 every game. Um, and my second hot take is every NHL series will go to game seven for the remainder of the playoffs. Because the NHL has low-key been kind of hype with these game sevens. I don't watch, I bet, um, and I've been doing really well. Um, but nonetheless, the NHL kind of hype right now. Only the seventh day in the history of the NHL recently that there were three game sevens on a given day, which is crazy to imagine. Kev? Yeah, Justin outscorched me with those hot takes, but I'm going to have, uh, let's say the Celtics take back home court, win tomorrow off of back-to-back 40-point games by Jason Tatum. Marshall. Ooh, hot take. Bam Adebayo will break out the next two series and be known as a true star. Also, Justin, you got to send me whatever spreadsheets you use for, for betting because uh, we're, we're switching up some stuff with uh, confidence intervals for our stuff. So I'm trying to become a little bit more nerdy with betting. Yo, I would love to see some confidence interval stuff. I've been trying to make my own statistics for betting. Um, it's hit or miss right now, as you can probably see from my Twitter page. If anyone wants to see my daily sports bets, I'll either go seven or oh or like one in seven. Um, makes no sense. In fact, that's that's exactly how it goes. Uh, it's, it's, hey, seven and oh days, that's good. That's good. I would I would take your guys' opinions before others. Um, but not, not, not a gambling man. Anyway. Let's end the show. My name is Andrew White. I've been alongside the Jelly Fam, Justin Nelson, Slickers of Slats, Case Slats, Kevin Slatter, and the Marsh Man, Andrew Marshall, from Hawaii, a billion hours behind us. It's uh, This has been Q Hot Takes. It's a great day to be alive. And go dog, Go Thunder, baby. Pick two. Go Birds. Get me Jesse Bates. Finish the team off. Go Yanks. Best record in baseball. Um, Nick's draft lottery happened. Uh, did not watch. Uh, did not care. And... Overall, too, I mean, I'm reading an NBA article right now, and they ranked Bruce Brown and Marvin Bagley as better free agents than Carmelo Anthony. The NBA media hates Carmelo Anthony. I don't know why, but I'll defend Carmelo Anthony. Go Bills. Uh, First, everyone affected in Buffalo. Got a lot of family there, so definitely thinking about everyone from the shooting. Yeah. Go Josh Allen. (laughs) That's it. Nice, 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 nice.